Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support. And I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this week's episode, we are joined by Jenny Owen Youngs, who is not only a brilliant songwriter, but also is an amazing podcaster and just an all-around fantastic human. I hope you enjoy your interview. Welcome to Why Not Both, where I remembered to hit the record button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th thank you for having me, unless you're welcoming the listeners at large. <laughs> We can welcome everybody. It yes. looks like a, a broad welcome. Is there like a royal we for welcoming? Like, is there like a pronoun that you would use for that to welcome everybody? I tend to just default on y'all wherever possible. I know that's not royal uh, nor regal, but it is encapsulatory. You know, it has a it has a wide outstretched arms. I feel like all the other romance languages got really cool pronouns for like formal usage and for collective usage. And then in English, we're sure. like, uh, we'll just make it sound sillier. That'll get the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we could have gone sophisticated, but we decided to lean into like the rodeo vibe, which, <laughs> you know, is also pretty tight. I think it's just nice to have options. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Whenever I say y'all, like I know it sounds strange because I'm from LA and have like a Valley Girl accent. So I'm like, y'all? <laughs> like, well, I think y'all now transcends regional accent. It works for anyone. There we go. There we go. I sound like I'm trying to yodel at someone. <laughs> <laughs> So now that everybody knows my neuroses around saying y'all with a valley girl accent, what if yes. you do? <laughs> Me? Well, gosh, uh, this, that, the other, uh, everything at once. Cool. Cool, cool. Uh, I moved from Los Angeles uh, to Maine at the end of October. Wow. I have been like so much of my existence now um is threaded through with moments of like stepping outside and like looking up and feeling like the sun on my face and uh hearing like you know spring peepers singing in the trees at night and smelling like uh wood smoke from you know the next street over and just being like yes oh thank thank goodness That's yes so calming and disorienting at the same time yeah, <laughs> yeah it's definitely <laughs> A big shift from LA, as you can imagine. That is what I was imagining. Half of my mind was like, wow. And the other half was like, Ugh. and so I was like, oh, I should investigate that. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, 
what was the move like? Like what inspired that? And how long were you in LA? And had you ever like lived in Maine before? Uh, well, I'm from, I'm from the Northeast originally. I'm from a part of New Jersey that is uh, unsung. It is wood, woodsy and uh, farming. Oh. And so where I am now in Maine is kind of feels like a lot more like home than anywhere else I've lived in as an adult I've lived like in Brooklyn for 10 years and then in LA for five mm -hmm. and this feels like so nice feels oh. feels like home it's uh so exciting wow okay so for yeah. you it doesn't feel like a foreign foreign landscape for me being from LA I was like bird yeah what yeah birds, <laughs> uh, winter maybe you've heard of winter that's something we have over here uh, I, I forgot about shoveling I did more shoveling in the last like five months than I've done in the last six years so that was pretty oh, wild that checks out <laughs> <laughs> I love that I was just like is it on fire that's the season I am familiar with the season are on fire <laughs> I mean that was one of the very last straws for me like at the end of my time in LA there I was like very very close to a fire that went on for you know two or three weeks Ooh. and you know we were just trapped inside windows closed air purifiers running 24 7 still basically just smelling like barbecue yeah. uh, drifts of ash collecting on the car yeah you know just really apocalyptic yeah nonsense yeah I can understand why that would have been your it's time for me to leave LA point <laughs> Yeah, the day that we couldn't see the sun was like a little weird. Like, yeah. I was like, I love my hometown. I was born here. It's my favorite weird place in the whole world. But also, I appreciate being able to see the basic celestial body that gives us life on the planet. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, I don't know, a little strange. You deserve <laughs> it. You've earned the sun. <laughs> How how has it been going living in Maine, doing all of the things that one does? Because I I wanted you on the podcast because you do a bunch of the stuff. And that's literally the thesis of the podcast <laughs> to talk to people who do a bunch of the stuff. Yeah. Um, and so how does how does the stuff translate over there? And do you feel differently doing a bunch of the stuff there? Well, I think what made it possible in my mind to leave Los Angeles was that you know for nine months or so all of my work co-writing podcasting and then making my own music like all of that had transferred to zoom you yeah. know so and, and like so many people were like leaving Los Angeles I would like have a meeting with my publishers and like one of them would be in LA, but one was in Massachusetts and one was in South America and one was in New York. And I was just Great. like, okay, nobody's gonna notice right this second. You know, <laughs> this is if ever I was gonna sneak out before my intended departure, uh, you know, some years down the line, now would be the time. And I, I think it's, I think it's just like a really exciting time for people who, I mean, I think for people who work in music, for people who work in the arts, for anybody who works in an industry where you feel like you're tethered to a particular city, mm -hmm. I think some, if we can say something positive has come out of the last like 14 months, 
something positive, I think, is that like those assumptions about where you absolutely need to be 100% of the time in order to make things happen are, are proving themselves to be untrue or we're adapting to a new mode of being. So like for yeah. me to be able to go like run around in the woods or take my dog on a big beach walk at a park that's like a few minutes from my house every morning before I like get on Zoom and mm -hmm. write songs with people who might be across the country or you know just in a different city in this time zone uh that like sort of like quality of life uh good for my brain kind of vibe yep. has yep. enhanced greatly the experience of making songs uh especially in a time now where it's like zooming from los angeles and zooming from maine are more or less the same thing you know that's you know, that is a beautiful thing to hear because especially at the beginning when I was talking to people about collaborating across Zoom and things like that, like if you're used to long distance collaborating, it was one thing, but there are a lot of people that weren't used to that at all. And so there was mm -hmm. an awkward like growing phase where people were like, well, how do you connect over that? And so that's so good to hear that you're like, oh, I've actually adapted to doing this and also being able to do all of these other things that are actually fueling me as a person then help me when I hop into those sessions to actually like ostensibly be a more connected artist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think I had a bit of a leg up because I had moved, you know, five years prior from New York to LA. And I had a lot of, like I had a big music community in New York and I was, you know, on FaceTime or whatever, collaborating with those friends periodically so and I'd been like doing some remote podcasting so I was like a little more adapted prior to the beginning of this whole mess when yeah. you know everybody started getting on zoom to try to figure out how to write a song I think it's like I think when you know when everyone is vaccinated and the world is feeling more maneuverable <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. then I'm I'm hoping that like that sessions will like co-writing sessions will be more diverse you know you might yeah. it won't be such an unthinkable thing to like finish a song you started with somebody while you were on a London writing trip once you get home like right. people right. are just like more acclimated uh to being able to do that and it's like I mean you you can save on travel you can <laughs> yeah. accomplish more you can you know uh you can skip the commute. I mean, I was living in LA, driving across town to write a song, spending like seven or eight hours in the studio, driving yes. back across town. Yes. You know, now I, something about Zoom is just like so much more efficient where like a song will happen in like two or three hours a lot of the time. Well, and man. there's no commute. Yeah. And I can go make a cup of coffee in my own kitchen if I want to, which is, which is a nice option to have. Like, I don't want to just be writing songs for my house, but knowing that I can is so nice. I was gonna say it frees up like a whole other option because I think before people were scared and I know I I have felt this way too where it's like is something lost in translation when it's digital and it's like if you already have that rapport with a person like you can still create that rapport online and then you have the option of doing in person or online because sometimes that like first yeah. meet, you first meet someone on zoom occasionally you're just kind of like because like you're missing some of the social cues um, like, <laughs> yeah exactly but once you have that down it's like it adds this other option that I think before people were like but will that be impersonal will that be this will that be and it's like 
as long as you have that seed of connection, I think it works. Yeah, I think like people are just, I think, figuring out to how to access that, that point, like find that access point to other people via Zoom instead of like, I mean, in my experience, a lot of the time, you know, you're meeting somebody, you're saying like, hello, I am me, nice to meet you. And then you usually have like an hour or so of like chatting, where are you from? Who's your publisher? What kind of stuff have you been writing? Oh, have you seen this YouTube video? You know, you have this whole getting to know you thing. And then you have like kind of the shared foundation that you can work from to try to be creative together. And I think for the last, you know, year and change, people have been figuring out how to do that. And everyone is way better at it than they were, you know, this time last year. Yes. And it's like creating that kind of rapport because that's one of the important parts of like of songwriting and collaborating in general is like, it's that first hour of just like hanging out with someone <laughs> or like you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just hop in and be like, hello, I'd like to be vulnerable with you. Oh, stranger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Because that would be strange and creepy. Um, Yeah, you have to find these shortcuts. You can't, you know, it's like there's a country song, I think, about how you can't make old friends. And like the start of a writing session is kind of figuring out how to make an old friend quick, at least, at least for the purposes of like a social contract in that room for this purpose of making a thing together. Because after an hour, I'm going to be like, so it's none of my business, but like what uh, kinds of emotional roller coasters have you ridden lately and how can we plumb them? How can we strip them for parts and use them to our advantage? Exactly, exactly. It gets like, and you have to be able to be vulnerable in that way. And also it popped in my mind, like the performativity sometimes of being on Zoom, because if you're watching yourself on your camera, (laughs) yeah. Um, like I've been able to tune it out. Thankfully, I think it's from just being a dork on the internet for like most <laughs> of my life where it's like, you know, I, I had my first AOL screen name, like when I was 12, which my parents should never have done. But my dad was like, you're a <laughs> cool kid. Here's the internet. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I will trade Tori Amos bootleg tapes with college students. It'll be awesome. Wow. Yeah, you are ringing my bells right now. <laughs> I was a very wholesome and yet precocious twelve-year-old. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> it's like what I use the internet for: live recordings of bands I enjoyed. Um, yes, hell yes. Yeah, it was it was a good time, um, but like. It's weird sometimes when you're when you accidentally like catch your own eye on on Zoom or FaceTime and you remember <laughs> that in a way like you're observing yourself but you're observing someone else observing you like I've oh, had yeah. it's like uh um and I have to like remind myself I'm not giving like a FaceTime performance like I'm connecting with a person. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's very it's surreal. Like, it's very not- weird. <laughs> it's like having a freaking mirror in front of you while you're trying to engage with another person like it's it's, you're you know not going to necessarily want to be looking at that but there is a sort of like 
undeniability your eyes like oh wait what uh wait what uh there I am yeah. yeah and I I know I'm like a little magpie I look at shiny things all the time so if I see <laughs> anything like move in my own little window I'm like what was that for sure <laughs> And it's an interesting experience collaborating and podcasting from afar, because in a way, like, I'm so glad that you mentioned you have all those things that ground you around your home, because I don't know if you've had this feeling, but occasionally I'll close, like, I'll close a session and I'll look around and it's just me in my home. And I'm like, I was having this shared experience in my own home with people, mm. but there's no people in my home. It's just me. And it's this, like, it's this odd transition to like remembering where I am in my space where it's like we shared this limit yeah. that was not in any of our homes. It was all just this space that we created digitally. And so like occasionally after I'm like, hmm, I need to, need to reorient myself to where I am now. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess there is a certain, um, there is a certain jarringness of like going from that social space to a solo space without this sort of like normal transitional period where you're like okay cool well this was great and I'm gonna oh oh you're walking in the same direction yeah. to your car also <laughs> yeah. well, I guess we'll walk together even though we already said goodbye but this is yep. like a weird thing that people do here we go <laughs> yep yep they were walking in the same direction to where our cars are parked parked about like half a block away like that's yeah I was like <laughs> you're like cool 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 so that's the car you drive okay that's the car I drive all right like goodbye again (laughs) (laughs) second goodbyes yep yep yeah and there's none of that and so it's it's been very interesting but I like that you pointed out that it really it's possible and that we are creating art during it and so it's like why would we not do more of that like we have adapted yeah interesting I'm like making tiny plotting hands I'm like oh yes creating yes I I just <laughs> spread all the fingers of both of my hands like as far apart as they will go and gently rested them on my desktop which is what I do when I'm not stapling my fingers and shuffling them together I'm really like glad my other plotting had... gesticulation. Yes! <laughs> we had complimentary evil villain hands there hell yeah <laughs> that's a delight <laughs> I was like, ah, yes, we're already creating something. Not sure what it is. Definitely slightly (laughs) evil. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Please. Yes. How has it been podcasting during this time? That's, that's been mainly what I'm doing. And I was curious what it was like for you doing that. You know, it's been good. I mean, I, so my co-hosts and I of the the two shows that I make, Buffering the Vampire Slayer and Veronica Mars Investigations, mm-hmm. none of us live in the same city. So oh, wow. we were primarily recording remotely uh, prior to this. Uh, the, the one thing I would say that has been a, a big bummer is that with Buffering, we do a fair amount of, of live events. Um, mm. and, and we throw an annual prom, uh, which was oh. the first, our, our, our 2020 prom was the first event that we had to cancel, uh, due to COVID. And then, you know, we, we had a, like another like live taping after that, um, that was meant to happen in July or so that was also canceled and, and not getting to do those things, uh, has, has been sad, you know, and 
you know, it's like we've done some like live episode tapings on, you know, like uh, streaming platforms, which has been super fun. Mm-hmm. But the our prom is like something that I feel like I live off all year. Like, it's so <laughs> wholesome. It's like a lot of people were like, we're a very queer podcast. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our listenership is, uh, is queer. Uh, and that is like a huge part, I think, of, of the whole prom vibe. Like a lot of our listeners, you know, were, would maybe have, would look back on themselves uh, when they originally went to prom and say, that's someone else, you know, in one way or another. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, I never went to a prom uh, that like was not a part of my high school experience. So like to, because it was like uninteresting to me, but like mm-hmm. we made a prom that I am really interested in you know so like it's just like it's a very very like sweet and pure and uh magical and that that is something that has really has really uh made me sad to to not be able to uh create for other people and also experience myself for the last like two springs this this spring and last spring uh huge bummer but uh but other than that you know like we have a we have a very uh, active engaged listenership we're mm-hmm. we're so lucky and they've just been like they've continued to shine and be wonderful and send us incredibly long emails uh oh. explaining the precise physics calculations that I would need to uh to carry out in order to know how hard it would be for Buffy to throw a shard of glass across <laughs> the room and actively sever someone's human arm off of their body what's the velocity what's the thickness of the glass what's the wind (laughs) factor (laughs) you know uh so so there's you know even in even in a time where we're not able to connect you know in the physical realm uh we're still like really blessed with a a wonderful listenership that that you know we're just delighted by nonstop, and so that is is nice um Oh, that's so heartening to hear. I was just talking with a, the artist Julian Baker about how she was saying that a lot of her queer identity was like essentially mapped on heteronormative culture. And that mm-hmm. it's like as she is growing and changing and whatnot, that she's like, wait, it's because I didn't have a queer handbook. And I was like, we should write that. <laughs> like, yeah. so like, hello, young queer. I feel like Steve Buscemi. Uh, but it's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> hello, fellow kids. <laughs> Here, here's some tips and tricks. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that it's like you don't get that you don't get that guide and so it's like creating that later I was like that sounds so powerful to have that prom and I was like no wonder you miss it so much I was just like one I'm like really here for like prom 2021 um like virtually (laughs) and then hopefully in 2022 it'll be real I'm like that's cool that you provide that that it's like I'm sure that your listener base appreciates that because they're probably looking around in our culture going hey where, where's like the me stuff how do how do I me yeah well that's like whew, I mean that's podcasts you know like that's podcasting right like every niche you could ever imagine there's yeah. <laughs> someone waiting for you to join them you know like the 
the sort of the community that has kind of sprung up around us, mm -hmm. you know, magically and unbidden uh, has been such a incredible, like beautiful thing to be a part of, mm -hmm. uh, like really a, a space and group like nothing I've ever experienced, you know? Yeah. And, and they like love each other. We just like are the incidental hub <laughs> that like allowed them all to find each other like we have this Facebook group where they all hang and talk and they self-start all of these subgroups including yep. like they have like a uh, a subgroup that's just for like if you're having a bad day you can go and just kind of like vent and then yeah. these fuckers these little sweeties mm -hmm. will on the side be like okay who lives closest to Abby okay everybody Venmo that person $5, that person's going to go like assemble a care package, leave it on Abby's door because she had a really shitty day, ring her, her doorbell and just like peace out. Like that's the kind of stuff that they're doing for each other. <laughs> it's like, it's so much, you know? Oh, I love that. And I love what you said that you're like, we're just kind of the little, we're the little accidental hub. You're like, it's not like you were like, go forth my minions, make a care package. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, it, it speaks to me that people want to connect and they want to do that for each other. And it's almost like you gave them, you gave them a meeting place and kind of like a, a spark and now they can do that. Yeah. 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 I mean, everybody just wants to connect to other people. Right. And like <sighs> one of the easiest ways to connect to another person is to share the love of something. And like Buffy is a, story and a universe that a lot of people love and connect to and I think it's specifically geared towards uh welcoming people who feel othered in one way or another yeah you know yeah and so like those sweeties are just like <laughs> so predisposed they just like have the biggest hearts and like you get them all in a space like corporeal or not and they're just gonna sweetie out it's <laughs> messed up they're like they're just gonna be exceedingly kind to one another yeah it's oh <laughs> it rocks me to my core and that's it's kind of wild to be able to see the effects of that like basically to be like oh I created a podcast and then this happened because it's almost like when you make podcasts or you make songs or you make whatever it is you don't really know what's going to happen when you release it into the world. Like maybe nothing happens. Maybe something happens. No, it's so strange though. And sometimes when you release things, like sometimes things don't even happen until like months or years later. Like, has that ever happened to you where you release something and you're like, cool, I did it. And like, there's not much fanfare and you're like, all right, great. I'll like make something else. But then like years later, someone's like that thing, that one thing you made like four years ago, obsessed with it. And you're like, hmm. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, that's kind of something magical about making music and podcasts in a highly digital age uh, that they, you know, can just live uh, without bodies, without taking up shelf space uh, in an area that we can all access them for, you know, in perpetuity. Yeah. Unless, you know, something, something wild happens. Right. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I like I mean it's even weirdly especially true of like of uh songs that I've written in in you know like in songwriting sessions where we're like writing just a song theoretically like maybe somebody would want to cut this song or oh we're writing the song like with with film and television in mind but like not without a specific agenda like yeah I you know at this point I've written like hundreds of songs and most of them chill on a hard drive luxuriating you know uh and then every once in a while something totally bananas will happen and like oh th this is actually perfect for this episode of Grey's Anatomy, uh, Grey's Anatomy, or hey, uh, I guess Pitbull is gonna release this <laughs> song that you like worked on two years ago and completely gave up hope on. Surprise! <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like squirrels burying nuts. You know, <laughs> so they bury a lot. Who knows how many they actually find when winter is over? But when they do, yes. you know, they're like, oh fuck yeah! I knew I put that there for a reason. <laughs> I rule. That's such a good analogy and also a very visceral one in that I legit um, became, I don't know what to call myself other than like the most LA Disney princess for this move. I heard this weird sound when I was walking back to my place and I noticed there was a squirrel that was eating a plastic heart. Like it looked like an Easter or Valentine's Day decoration and it was like going to town on it. And I was like, squirrel friend, no. I was like, that's not food. And so like, I like chirped at it and like wiggled my fingers and it started following me, but it, it still had like the heart. And so I was like, oh good. And then I was like, oh God, what do I do now? But I realized I was really close to my place. And so I like ran inside and grabbed a bag of almonds. <laughs> And oh I, bribed, I bribed the squirrel with like a, a pile of almonds as I'm like chirping yes. with this squirrel, like putting almonds down. And it's just looking at me like, what are you, what is this giant creature doing? Um, <laughs> and so like I put the almonds down and very cautiously it put the plastic heart down and like went over to check out the almonds. So I very slowly went over and like scooped up the plastic heart and like the little shard so it wouldn't hurt itself or like another animal by accident. Yeah. And it's just like, and now, now my friend, enjoy this bounty bury them places eat them do what you will and just like disappear <laughs> like, <laughs> animals gotta sort their business out about what they will and will not eat i know i'm you sure, know i'm sure it was maybe in a basket with other things so it smelled like food at some oh point. right right well like, can you explain to me can you that's a promising theory can you come <laughs> up with an equally promising theory as to why my dog, uh, my dog, Frank, he's a Boston Terrier. He's about uh, like 14 months old now. Uh -huh. And when he was like maybe seven or eight months, he, I, I like blinked my eyes for like 30 seconds. Uh -huh. And in that amount of time, he pulled two thumbtacks <gasps> out of a cork board and ate them. Oh my God. What? To what end? Okay, I can promise you that the thumbtacks were not near anything that smelled even remotely like food. How can oh, you explain this? My God, that is, that's like puppy psychosis. That <laughs> is, like, one, I'm glad to hear he's okay because you're speaking of him in the present. Yes, yes. So yes, that yes, reassures yes. me. <laughs> he's fine. Uh, everyone get pet insurance. Uh Oh, because when you have to have thumbtacks surgically removed from your dog's stomach, <gasps> it is incredibly expensive. Oh, oh no. <laughs> like, but, you know, he's just, he's always been interested in 
testing the bounds of his mortality, you know, is one of his main quests in life. How far can we push this? That checks out. That checks out. Because usually my dog would eat things. My old dog that um, I was like, long live Max. He was a great dog. Um, Yeah. Oh, he was, he was awesome. Uh, But he... He usually would eat things that smelled like me. Like one time he like ate an entire sock. And I knew this when I was tidying up after him in the yard and found an entire sock. Um, oh no. It had passed through his entire digestive system. And I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> like, so there was that, that I was like, mm. um, <laughs> like, and so that's the thing is I was like, usually he'd go after things that, that like were of me. He also ate my retainers. Thanks for that, buddy. No right um, expensive expensive and like but the one that was the weirdest like the outlier it was not thumbtacks but my dad could not figure out what he did with a power generator cover until we started finding shards of it like yet again like how I found the sock like Max ate the entire power generator cover like just no. ate it was like a tarp thing like a cloth tarp that was over the like my parents spare generator yeah. in their yard he somehow like either consumed or at least very well hid most of like we couldn't find it how is this possible <laughs> we are like how did you do that what happened here i it's just like what's in it for you yeah, was it Max? Yeah, was it a game? Was it a challenge? Did you start and then knew yeah. you just like really needed to cross that finish line? <laughs> like what? <laughs> yep. So in conclusion, <laughs> write lots of songs. Dogs are weird. <laughs> yes, dogs are so weird. <laughs> I was like, oh that's really goodness. Funny. Because like I was like, oh, Max is part Pitbull, which reminds me, Pitbull published your song. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, someone once was like, what's it like having ADHD? And I'm like, this, it's, it's just like this all the time. <laughs> uh, like a very cool network of many synapses firing in different directions all at once. Uh, connecting things, bringing it full circle yep. uh, out into space and then back. Yep. My brain's like, would you like these nebulous connections? And I'm like, sure. And my brain's like, <laughs> not going to make sense to anyone else. And I'm like, well, that'll be awkward, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they're for you and anybody who can and wants to appreciate them, myself <laughs> included. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <gasps> Cause yeah, I, I also liked how you put it that your your songs were luxuriating on a hard drive. I'd never thought of it that way because I think people occasionally, and I know I'm guilty of this, think of songs that like either you haven't released or that like other people haven't released that you're just like, well, they're just sitting there. Like they're not they're not doing anything, but it's like there's potential energy in them and they're just they're just chilling until it's their time. Yeah, I try to think of them as biding their time patiently waiting watching poised ready to pounce you know I love that they're like the top of the pendulum with like maximum potential energy yes exactly (laughs) so much momentum ready to be released at any moment exactly you just never know that's that's wild though to think of like how many songs like do you ever have a song come out or like rediscover a song that you made that you're like I made that (laughs) what (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's interesting though. Somebody once told me 
Um, I have a friend, his name is Dan Romer. We made like my first few records together. Uh, you know, and my first record was the first record that he produced. And, you know, he now he works primarily in score and he's just like so amazing and talented. He's the best. Um, and he once said to me, my melodies are like penguins, like penguin babies, like to anybody else, you know, uh, it might be difficult to tell them apart from, from any other penguins babies, but I know exactly which ones mine are, you know, and like, we all... Uh, as like melodists right we all have like our tendencies the things that like feel the most like home to us and sometimes you're like deliberately trying to push away from that sometimes you're trying to embrace that sometimes you're not thinking about it whatever happens but like there's some there's some part of your DNA that's going into your melodies and like sometimes I will be like walking or like in the shower or you know doing whatever and some like full verse or chorus will pop into my head and I'll be like whose song is that yeah and I'll be like oh that's my hard drive song I made that <laughs> but nobody knows yet yet <laughs> it's so funny how it's so funny how like my hard drive is holding them but also the hard drive of my brain yeah pull any of them out at a moment's notice and be like hey remember this Yes, I've had that moment where occasionally, especially if I, I don't know if you hear songs in, in like actual dream state, like when you're asleep dreaming, um, I often hear songs playing in my dreams. And when I wake up, Whoa. sometimes I question, is that a me song? Is that a someone else song? Is that like, and sometimes I'll try and like Google even based on the qualities of the, of the song that I heard, or like, I'll kind of query to be like, is, what is that? <laughs> like, <laughs> Because I'll, I'll like second guess myself, but there are songs that I've written that are literally just based on like what I heard while I was asleep. Um, oh, and, wow. That yeah. is awesome. <laughs> How handy. Right. Right. I just am like, well, I don't think it's someone else's song because occasionally I have heard like snippets of songs that exist like outside my own head already um, in dreams. And I want to make sure that it's not that <laughs> like, oh, yeah 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 <laughs> gotta be careful I like how you phrase that though like the hard drive of your brain that it's like there are melodies that only you are going to come up with and it's almost I love that when you can hear someone's almost like their fingerprint on a song yeah oh yeah yeah that's why I always encourage people like if they're like oh I don't know who I sound like I'm like doesn't matter you're you're like the only you just just keep making yeah yeah I mean we all have influences. We all live in the world. You absorb things. And if you didn't absorb things, you couldn't make things, right. you know? Yeah. Like no one, no one comes in blank slate. I mean, we come in blank slate, but no one starts creating that way because we live in a world of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember when I was much younger being like, I don't want to sound like anybody else. And then a that I'm not much younger. And I'm like, that's, yeah, no, I got over that. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I think like for the listener, you know, we live in a busy world. Our brains are full of shit. You know, uh, everything is moving faster and faster. Our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. People's brains, you know, in order to function in the world and not 
lose, you know, whatever tenuous hold on the fabric of the universe that you might have, your brain needs to organize things and classify things so that, that like that's how you understand the world around you. So like it's kind of more of a benefit than I think we as creators may initially feel for people to be able to hear your music and say like, oh, that goes, you know, in this pile with this music that I like, right. you know, because it like gives you a place in the, the universe of their mind, you know? I love that. Or like it, it kind of, sometimes music can also intersect like kind of Venn diagram style where you're like, oh, there's these two or three things that I enjoy. And this kind of hits a bit of those where there's like an intersection point that I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I love intersection points. I love crossroads. <laughs> I, it's just nice when things bump up against other things. I do. I like how you frame that because I really like serendipity. Like, and people have noted that often my life seems absurd. And I think it's because I do embrace and welcome serendipity. Mm. <laughs> and I like that you embrace crossroads and crossroads are very powerful. Like there's a lot of rituals of like leaving things at crossroads and things like that, where it's like, there's a lot of symbology there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's sort of like, if you think about two roads or two people or two anything coming together like a road going north to south and a road going east to west like they have completely different destinations right and like whatever is coming from one direction uh is not going to be coming from another direction so like whatever is whatever is coming together at that junction Mm -hmm. is going to inevitably I think combine to create like a new thing or like those two things intersecting and then continuing on will never be the same right as they were before they intersected with whatever that thing is right they're gonna take a little bit of it with them yeah Ooh. Yeah, I, I feel like we're cool really in my head yeah I was like <laughs> We just really doing it like spiritual algebra class. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I imagine for some reason, when you were talking about crossroads, I imagine some of like the way that roads intersect kind of out like by like Joshua tree and in the desert there, where there'll almost be these like desolate looking roads. And then you come to an intersection and there's something that feels refreshing about it when you've been driving for a while, kind of like heading into like the desert valleys there. When you come across an intersection, it almost feels refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, when you're on a road for a really long time, uh, you've got that like Mario vibe, like (laughs) the background is repeating every two miles or whatever. I've feel like I've seen this windmill before and when you come across a road that intersects the road you're on you know that assigns you like a place in particularity right it like well and it's it's a map on the mark I was gonna say map yes (laughs) (laughs) my brain automatically flipped those that was really funny (laughs) thank you I appreciate that (laughs) I was like we got you I got you um Yeah, like, especially because you've been talking so much about collaborating with others that it sounds like the art that you're doing, particularly like you mentioned songwriting with others and then podcasting with others, 
Like there's all these intersections in what you're talking about, which yes, you're doing things on your road where you're like, okay, like I'm going on my walks. I'm enjoying time with my dog when, oh my God, thumbtacks. Um, not that. <laughs> Everything else. <laughs> Delete the thumbtacks. But Delete yeah. the thumbtacks. More, more beach. Um, yeah. So it's like, you're kind of on your road, but it sounds like you really like to intersect with people to be like, hey, what can we create that's new here? And I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah, I think like, it's, it's strange when I first, um, I had been, I had been touring and making my own records for many years. And then I started to explore the world of co-writing and I kind of like put my artist project on the, on the shelf for a little while. I was like, okay, I'm going to like really devote myself to this practice and see how it feels and what's possible and, and whatever. And like, that was cool for a while. Uh, but after a bit, I started to feel like, you know, af after spending enough time not focused on writing songs for myself, I, I started to have like this buildup where it was like, oh man, I have like uh, all these ideas and these images that are like as yet unrealized that I know are going to be in songs of mine. Mm -hmm. And at that point I had been, you know, in LA probably for like uh two or three years and like was like okay I'm gonna start strategically uh combing through my my uh phone book of collaborators mm -hmm. and picking people who I think like could intersect well with like a particular idea that I'm interested in and, and see about writing for myself and once I like got into that mode like the the process I never really thought that I would be like really really into writing my own songs with other people hmm. uh but like finding finding the right people uh and the the people who feel like like ah the possibility of like this person and this image that I have in my mind is like very exciting to me like let's light a match and see what happens mm -hmm. uh and that has become like so rich and rewarding and like maybe once in a while I'll I'll hermit out and just like hunker down and and make some things alone mm -hmm. um but like the the process of of working with of two two heads are better than one I guess uh in terms of of my own music has has really started to like shine in my brain and 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 it's like so fun it's fun you know like <laughs> it's easy to get caught up when you're when you're alone or when I'm alone I should say writing uh, there's so much room for like mm, should I even be writing the song I'm really kind of a piece of shit and like my ideas suck and maybe I should just you know you get like yeah the the haunt yes. in the back of your mind I love that you just called it the haunt I call it the spider webs that's yep. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and once that once that flares up you know it's you could be wrecked for the day but when you are collaborating with somebody there's a sense I think of accountability yeah. right like you're like well I don't want to like say all the haunt or all the spider webs <laughs> uh to this person who like did not ask <laughs> to be uh attacked and barraged by my spider webs uh so I guess I'll just like cool it and see what they think about this thing and and the, the incredible thing about collaborating with people is like literally anything could happen and you cannot like you cannot predict it and like right. some of the greatest uh discoveries in writing sessions for me have been 
and I think you could talk to a lot of songwriters and this would be fairly universal I think like there you'll be like you know really drilling down on a verse and somebody will say oh what about like blah 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 and then I'm like oh my god did you just say blah 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 and they're like no I did not but that is even better so let's do that you know like the the misheard and like yeah this heard lyric is such a gift and also the 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 fact that at any moment you could say like oh what about this idea and like maybe it's a cool idea maybe it's not but your idea you being accountable to the room and 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 casting aside your fear about like is this idea stupid and just saying the thing out loud Mm -hmm. can either be like the lyric that everyone has been waiting for or can be the lyric that makes somebody else in the room say oh my god not that but you just made me think of this and then you find the thing that like blows the whole song wide open you know it's just like it's so exciting the possibilities are uh endless I love that that that's inspiring me to exit my hermitude at some point I mean, it can be fun out there. It's very, it's vulnerable and it's scary and it's, it can be awkward and you never kind of know exactly what the combination of personalities in a given writing room are going to be like. But if you can, if you can find a way to make peace with the fact that th- there might be moments of discomfort, you will inevitably be rewarded with exciting ideas that could never have existed outside of like that exact combination of people in that exact moment as a uh, professional awkward person I think I could probably hang with that (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh yes discomfort my friend (laughs) yes exactly so you're ready you're primed it's like I've done enough yoga classes for this (laughs) yeah Actually, I think starting uh, starting to practice yoga is probably like the ultimate life icebreaker. I feel like that's probably really when I started to like loosen up and, and find ways to be more open to ideas that maybe were scary to me before. Because like once you're like, cool, so my ass is in the air uh, for who knows how long <laughs> until the instructor says so. And this is just what life is now. I guess you know and then you adapt because we're we're humans we're so adaptable you get used to that idea and then it's like all right well fucking what else you got that's that's literally I'll never forget it was a yoga teacher I don't even remember what pose we're in because some of the poses are like inherently pretty easy for me and some are very difficult like I'm actually very loose jointed so it's the ones that like look really elaborate and weird that I'm like oh cool and then like literally (laughs) the one where all you have to do is squat like it's called malasana I fall Mm. my butt like over half the time because for whatever reason I have like sideways hips like I'm too Uh well I just I just tip over like a tiny little Humpty Dumpty um (laughs) I like I remember we were in whatever pose and she just said yeah like get comfortable in a place of discomfort and I was like oh yeah there it is oh okay that was wise um and yeah like 
I love that it's like you kind of you have to take the risk of being vulnerable and uncomfortable and all of those things to get those like exciting juicy bits that you were talking about where it's like you don't get to get those <laughs> without yeah. putting yourself out there that you're maybe like uh, maybe I'll be the great idea maybe I'll be the catalyst for the great idea like it's all I mean those are all good things to be like that's the thing is it's like it sounds like in a way there's like, there's no wrong move because it's a process. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, uh, sometimes things fall in such a way that, you know, say there's three people in the room and like one person is on a roll. Sometimes you're that person and sometimes you are not. And like when you are not, it's like a real, it's a real skill to develop to be like ah yes I am not currently on a roll mm -hmm. uh and I don't need to think too hard about like what that means about my quality as a writer or like anything else about that I just need to like get out of the way or like offer suggestions and, and find other ways to like help push the boulder up the hill mm -hmm. without like slowing that roll you know uh yes it's it's just like it's such a strange unknowable unpredictable thing and there are so many different ways that it can go and like there are so many different ways that you can feel like vulnerable or awkward yeah. or uh self-conscious um and like I think so much of songwriting is like just figuring out to spend my discomfort yeah uh, <laughs> find ways to not focus on that and focus on anything else yeah, because you never know what's going to come out and you never know what you can use later. And I love that you oh, said yeah. you sometimes have to know, like, in a way, how to how to get out of the way of the idea. And that's like a humbling thing, whether you're working on a song mm -hmm. on your own or whether you're working with other people, where sometimes you have to know, like, when to just not push it and that that doesn't mean you're a good or bad artist. It's like you just have to be like, okay. This is the pacing of this. This is where I'm at right now. It's not a reflection of where I'm at forever. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, so much of it too is like, just the more you do it, the more you see, like sometimes I'm on a roll and sometimes uh -huh. I'm not. Yeah. And, and you know, so, sometimes <laughs> fill in the blank. Any, you know, any number of things can like change the atmosphere or temperature of a room. But like the more you do it, the more you see like, oh yeah, this is just like, part of the natural order of things uh yeah. nobody nobody only has good ideas you know <laughs> well, if they do I'd like to I'd like for you to have that person on the pod I'd be so curious yeah I've never I mean I don't want to say that they don't exist it just I've never talked to them yet um yeah. <laughs> I'm like at this point I started this podcast kind of on a whim before uh, the personal pan pizza. Um, and so it's like, I, <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I was like the Panda Express we've been trapped in. Um, 
And so I interviewed people who did a few different things. And at first was really more like, how do I talk to people who are in different spheres? Because that's what I do. And I was curious about that. But now I've just been talking to really everyone about everything, which is like so exciting to me, frankly. Um, (laughs) And across the board, I have not yet talked to a person who's like, everything I do works out great. It's more like everything I do does have a beginning, middle and ending. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they dovetail together, <laughs> but there's no one that's like, everything I do is awesome all the time because like that, that's just not how things work. But it's also like, even the things that aren't awesome or that like lose momentum or things like that, that's not a waste of time. Like in a way those like got you to other things or they taught you that that wasn't the thing to do. <laughs> like it's like they yeah. do have, they do have a place, even if it's not the place that you might have envisioned for them. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're making me think too about the way that like, I think we can sometimes think about relationships like, oh, well, I was in this relationship and then it ended. And so like, that was a waste of time or what was the point of that or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, when every relationship that you have is, pra- it's A, practice for your next relationship. Yes. If that really, you know, if there is the next relationship, you are learning how to be a person, you know, and you're learning how to be in a relationship, how to be a partner. You're learning what works for you in a relationship and what doesn't. Uh, you know, you're just like gaining experience. Yeah. You know, and I feel like it's 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 uh, a slippery slope. You know, it's easy to to devalue things when they're over but just because something is over doesn't mean it wasn't important yes and especially what you're speaking to really is like kind of a core value of mine that like all the different kinds of relationships that we have are so like valuable and important and rich that it's like they're going to sometimes like end in a way like sometimes they end in like our physical reality space but in our emotional space like no relationship ever like ends ends like Mm. part of that emotional experience with us like you said because like we grow into our other relationships we learn about like what makes us feel good or doesn't in other relationships that we have and it's like none of that is wasted like it all it all gets kind of like accumulates and transmutes into other things but I don't think that like relationship energy is ever wasted yeah And so it's like, I don't know, I found it very comforting when I was a kid that like, I was, (laughs) that was about to be weird. I was like, yeah, the heat death of the universe was really comforting to me as a child. Good job, Pam. Um, But but I was talking to my dad about like, (laughs) I was really little and for whatever reason, like death came up and he explained it to me that like, things are energy and things are matter. Like it was kind of like, like, that's like what we've got to work with. And he was like, and sometimes they show up as people, but sometimes they show up mm. energy and that's like our thoughts and our memories and stuff. And I was like, oh, so everything is either like stuff, stuff that we see, or it's like thinky stuff that we think. And he was like, yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was like trying to understand. I was maybe four or five. I was pretty little. So I was trying wow, to- Wow, heady yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I asked my poor dad, I asked him so many questions when I was a kid that he was like, how do I explain this? Child. 
But like, that is how I think of relationships where it's like, oh, sometimes relationships are more of the matter. They're more of the stuff stuff, but sometimes they're more of the energy. And Mm. it's like, oh, sometimes it's more of that. And they're a blend. And sometimes they become all energy. Like if that person is gone from your life. Um, Yeah. So it's like, oh, what do I want to do with that? Do I want to hold on to that energy? Do I want to like direct it towards something else? Like, what do I want to do? But yeah, I don't think. I don't think it's ever wasted to like interact with people and have relationships. Yeah. And I mean, thinking back to kind of what we were talking about earlier with like two roads intersecting when a relationship is, is over, you are not the same person that you were when you entered it, you know, any way that you slice it, like yep. you have been transformed Yes, by virtue of that person, like being in your life in that way. Yes. I just imagined almost like like if a red and a blue line were crossing, when they cross at that intersection, it might be like vibrant purple, like right where they intersect. But then yeah. when they carry on, they'd be like, they'd be a slightly different shade because then like the red line would have a little, little blue in it. So maybe it's got kind of that like <laughs> magenta vibe. And then the blue ones maybe like a bit more periwinkle now. And it's like, I imagine, them <laughs> like, you know, like once they leave that intersection, they're not the same line anymore. I mean, they're going the same directions that they were prior, but like, they're not, they're not the same color. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I like, I guess we solved human nature. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, that must be the end of the podcast because now (laughs) we addressed relationships and creation and the heat death of the universe. So... <laughs> we ended on a note of oh <laughs> Ta-da. we did it <laughs> oh my gosh thank you for being so generous with your time and letting me um confuse you only slightly uh it is my it hasn't mm, um, it has been my delight to be mostly not confused and then when I have been slightly confused here and there to uh, be uh, brought up to speed in no time at all. <laughs> excellent, excellent. The devious plan clearly working. <laughs> now our lines continue forward, slightly different colors than they were just an hour ago. Yes, yes. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. Bye.